Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk for long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I've got another good show for you today. It's Thanksgiving week. It means it's time to check in on the hockey standings. I've got Pete Considori here with me today. We're going to talk some NHL hockey, specifically about the New York Rangers and how they're doing very well at this point in the season. Show Me the Money is also back for week number 12. I'll be joined by Martino Puccio to make picks for week 12. At a rough leak this week, went 0-3. Look to get back on track going forward. Stay tuned to the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill, where I tell you why I'm very thankful I am not a fan of the Cleveland Browns. We get it all rolling with this week's opening tip, where we take a look at the NFL in week number 11, right after this. Roethlisberger's bounced back from a dreadful performance most of the way, coming up big. Running like an option, going to keep the dives. Did he break it? Yes, he did. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Right here. Watch the knee. That's in. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Devastating loss for Jacksonville. All right, and we're back with this week's opening tip. That call you just heard, courtesy of Jim Nance and Tony Romo from CBS Sports calling the end of the dramatic Pittsburgh Steelers comeback win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was one of many exciting games in week number 11 of the National Football League, something we were overdue for after a, I must admit, pretty terrible week 10. We'll start off with the local angle. I haven't talked about the Giants much lately, but you know what? They're playing a lot better. Pick up their second win in a row on Sunday. Beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-35. Eli Manning only had to pass the ball 18 times. That works when you complete 17 of them. Saquon Barkley carried the offense. 27 carries. Buck 42. Three total touchdowns. The giant offensive lines are playing a lot better since the insertion of Jermon Brown into the starting lineup. Putting him in over Patrick Amame has looked great. And the Giants have a little hope. Now granted, there's still a 1-7 hole to dig out of. It's not going to be easy. But you can at least dream right now that maybe they can get hot. Maybe they can do what Odell Beckham said they can do and just win every game and go 9-7 and and steal the division. Is it likely? No. But you know what? They have hope. That's a lot more than the Jets can say right now. The reason they have hope? The NFC East is still a mess. Around the division a bit, tell you why. Start with the current leaders, the Washington Redskins. Not only do they lose on Sunday to the Houston Texans, but they lose their quarterback in the process. Alex Smith goes down for the year. Gruesome leg injury. Reminiscent of Joe Theismann. Eerily enough, 33 years to the day that Joe Theismann had his career ended on that leg injury. And Joe Theismann was in the building Sunday. Make it even creepier. But forget about that for a minute. They have to now rely on Colt McCoy to carry them to the promised land. Granted, he's probably going to do better than they think he will. Because he's been in that system for four years. And he knows how to run it in and out. But their road to get to the playoffs is not easy. They're now relying on the backup quarterback to get them through the rest of the season. Get them to the playoffs beginning with a matchup in Dallas on Thanksgiving. It's going to be tough for them to move forward. As far as Texas are concerned, they are red hot. Seven wins in a row. Current frontrunners in the AFC South. We'll get back at the vision in a bit, but let's stick with the NFC East. Talk about the Cowboys, who put together a huge effort to beat the Atlanta Falcons 22-19 in Atlanta. First time all year the Cowboys have won two games in a row. And perfect time to do it with road wins in Philadelphia over the defending champs and Atlanta. The Cowboys are now back at 500 after a lot of people, including me and Joe Dalwizio two weeks ago in our NFL midseason report, left them for dead after they lost to the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football at home. Now they're 5-5. Five and five. They have Zeke going again. The defense is playing very well. They get Washington coming in on a short week with their backup quarterback. Now, if they win this game, they are in first place in the NFC East. Who would have thunk that three weeks ago? 
a big part of the reason why the Cowboys can be in first place is that the Philadelphia Eagles have fallen apart. The Eagles got taken to the woodshed by the Saints on Sunday, lose 48-7 in New Orleans. The Saints playing like the best team in the league right now. They're putting up points like gangbusters. The Saints put up 45 on the Rams, beat them, handed them the first loss of the year, put up 51 on the road in Cincinnati two weeks ago. And on Sunday, put up 48 against the defending champs. That team right now is the best team in the league. That team, I think, is the favorite to win the Super Bowl if the season ended today. Still have a long way to go, but wow, the Saints are scary. As far as the Eagles are concerned, they're just going through that massive, massive Super Bowl hangover. They've had their fair share of injuries, too. A lot of issues in the running game. Carson Wentz still looks a bit rusty, but the Eagles have issues, and they don't have a lot of time to get it fixed. They need to beat the Giants on Sunday and get their season back on track. If the Giants beat them and the Giants basically tie them into the standings, I think you can kiss the Eagles goodbye. I don't think they're coming back from that. Let's go on a little more of the NFC. Big upset of the day. The Carolina Panthers lose in Detroit 2019, and they open the door for the rest of the NFC to make a run at the second wild card. The Panthers' controversial decision in this game, after they come back, score the touchdown late, go within one. Instead of going for the PAT to tie, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, decides, you know what? I'm going for two. He goes for two. They don't get it. They don't get the onside kick. Detroit wins. Now Carolina is 6-4 and four, as opposed to 7-3. and three. That's a big difference in the standings. I don't blame Ribera here. Gano was shaky on the day. He missed a PAT on their last touchdown. That's the only reason why Detroit was able to be up seven instead of six. And he also missed a field goal in this game. And when you need two yards to win the football game, and you have Cam Newton, you have Christian McCaffrey having an amazing year at running back, you have some talented receivers led by Devin Funches. I like putting in their hands and asking them to get the two yards. Most of the time they get it. This time they didn't. They had to get back on track this week when they host the Seattle Seahawks. Speaking of those Seahawks, took an air of business on Thursday night, a week ago, beat the Green Bay Packers 27-24. Seattle continues to be a house of horrors for the Packers, who have not won there since 2008. Mike McCarthy, definitely on a hot seat. No idea why he's punting the ball fourth and two late in the fourth quarter. I don't care that you're in your own territory. You have the best quarterback on the planet on your team. If you don't trust him to get two yards for you, you might as well go home. There's no point in playing this out if you think that he can't get the job done for you. And what happened? They punted the ball back. Seattle grabbed it, iced the game. Now Green Bay has a chance to get back on track. They still have they have to run the table to get to the playoffs. That tie helps them only so much. They get the Vikings on Sunday night this week in a game that's massive for both teams because the NFC North race is the Chicago Bears to lose right now. Sunday night this week, the Bears put on a defensive clinic against the Vikings, won 25-20 in a game that was not even close to that score. Khalil Mack, who I wish the Jets had gotten. I wish they had taken care of that and given the Raiders what they wanted to get that deal done because we can see how much of a difference Khalil Mack makes to that football team. The Chicago Bears simply are a different team with him on it. The Vikings could not account for him on Sunday. They simply could not deal with him. And... That defense wrecked the game for the for the Vikings. If I'm a Viking fan, I gotta be very concerned about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins now has delivered a couple of stinkers in big spots against very good teams this year. He was awful when they lost to the Saints on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks back. He was awful against the Bears on Sunday night, including a big pick six in the fourth quarter to ice that game. Now they have Green Bay coming in on Sunday night this week. 
as are these two teams tied earlier in the year. And that tie could easily have been a loss in Minnesota. Because remember, that's the game where Kirk Cousins threw the game-ending pick, but got bailed out because the refs called a very questionable rough in the pass on Clay Matthews. That the hall does not happen. The Packers win the football game, and the Vikings are in deep trouble. They have a chance to salvage their season this week, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Let's go to the AFC for a little bit. Let's start with the game that we started this segment with, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. I have to say, what a heartbreaker for the Jaguars. What a heartbreaker, man. That team is just snake bit this year. And they had Pittsburgh dead and buried for three quarters. But in the fourth, Ben brought them back. Three touchdown drives, including the end of the game. They nearly had it again. Ben throws a pick in the end zone. Should be over. But the refs correctly call a face mask penalty on the Jags. And they give the Steelers new life. A couple of plays later, Ben's diving in the end zone. This game is basically over. It's a heartbreaker for the Jags. They are dead. They're done. The Steelers had a hell of a scare. And I was not happy about this because I'm not a big fan of the Steelers. But you know what? Give them credit. They got pushed very hard in that game. They came back. They won that game. Now they're in the second seed in the AFC. And they have a chance to go for the one seed if they win out. Let's stick in the AFC North for a minute. Let's go to Cincinnati and Baltimore. Baltimore picks up a win in that game. Running, I will say, pretty much running a college offense. Lamar Jackson makes his first career start in place of the injured Joe Flacco. Runs the ball 27 times for 117 yards. Running backs these days don't get that much work. And they let Lamar Lamar Jackson run the ball. I don't know if it's going to work long term. The Ravens ran 54 times. They pass it 19. Is that going to work every week? I don't know. It worked for the Broncos that one year at Tim Tebow, but... That was six years ago. Seven years ago now, actually. A lot has changed in the NFL since then. As far as Cincinnati goes, that's a tough game to lose. They are now, they had a chance to bury the Ravens and put themselves in a great spot to get that second wild card. Now they are right in the thick of it with them, with Miami, and with two teams in the AFC South, the Titans and the Colts. And don't look now, but the Colts, are coming. Colts have four wins in a row. They dominated the Tennessee Titans, 38-10, to and they look like one of the best teams in the league at the moment. Andrew Luck has been protected very well. The Colts have not given up a sack in five straight games. Luck has rewarded them. He's thrown at least three touchdowns in seven straight games. This is the Andrew Luck that can win MVPs. He's elevating his team. Their t- the group has come together, and they can make a run, and they can be scary. As far as the Titans are concerned, I'm going to write this one off. Marcus Mariota gets injured in that game, and Blaine Garrett was not going to lead that team to victory. I'm sorry, he just wasn't. And the defense, which played very well against the Patriots week before, probably got distracted by the whole situation with coordinator Dean Pease, who had to leave the game, had a medical issue, had to go to the hospital during the contest. I can understand why some of their defenders were not having their heads in the game. The Colts, to their credit, took full advantage. Now, let's go to the game of the week. Chiefs, Rams, Monday Night Football, 9-1 versus 9-1. And and boy, that was a lot of fun. Not much defense. Not much running. The over of 63 was beaten pretty much at halftime. But I will say, I hope we get a rematch of these two going forward. Every time you looked, it was just bang, 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 big play, big play, deep pass, touchdowns, lots of good stuff. One drawback, way too many penalties in this game. The supposed all-star crew that they put together threw 23 flags. I mean, if that shows you that Continuity of refs is important. Throwing a bunch of random guys together is not a good idea. 
that game, I mean, it was good in spite of the referees, but it could have been so much better. A lot happened this week. A lot of good stuff in the NFL. Third getting set for an exciting finish. Big week of action this week. You got Thanksgiving. You got a great triple header. The Lions coming off that big win over Carolina. Get the Bears. NFC North matchup. One game. Second game. Another NFC East matchup. Dallas Cowboys. Washington Redskins. First place on the line. Redskins coming in with their backup quarterback. I think they'll be a great challenge of the Cowboys, even with Colt McCoy starting. That should be fun. And then the nightcap. The Atlanta Falcons, who are on the brink. They're on the brink of facing the playoffs. They're 4-6. and six. They come back from the 1-4, start winning three straight. Drop that ugly game in Cleveland last week. Finally, they lose to the Cowboys this, this week. Now they have to go to New Orleans, beat the Saints in their building, when the Saints have won nine games in a row. Have fun with that, guys. But you know what? They always play the Saints hard. They're a desperate team. Desperate teams give off tremendous efforts. Should be a fantastic triple header. I'm looking forward to this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's go from the gridiron to the ice for a little bit. and talk hockey with Pete Considori right after this. Florida as Coach Bob Bookner makes a couple of changes in his lineup. Matheson check eight. Shot by Heedle. They score. Heedle gets the goal in his third consecutive game with a goal. What an effort by Philip Heedle. And the Rangers grab a 1-0 lead. And Coach keeps saying he just needs to get one. Well, he's got now goals in three straight. Wow. All right, and we're back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Hockey talk went so well last time. I decided to bring hockey back again. A lot of people responded to that segment. Unfortunately, Mario Ortega cannot join us today due to some scheduling issues on my end. Fortunately, though, I do have Pete Considori back with us to talk some hockey. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's uh, I'm sorry to see Mary couldn't make it. Um, that was totally my fault, by the way. No, nah, don't her. throw yourself under the bus. Let's. <laughs> we'll blame. She's not here. We'll blame her. No. Okay, we'll do that. So let's. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead talk some hockey. I will say, I was surprised. The hockey show has been like one of the most well-received ones I've put awesome. out there. I did not know there was a big appetite for hockey podcast. Oh, listen, ho- hockey is is a great sport. I love playing it. I love watching it. And, um, you know, out of, out of the big four of sports, you would say, in the U.S., I think hockey is kind of the least appreciated. Um, so hopefully we can build a bigger fan base for the NHL. Yeah, hopefully the, the two of us can lead the foundation, lead the charge. Exactly. All right. I wanted to get you back on this week because, obviously, as you know, Thanksgiving is coming up this weekend. Yep. The One of the big things I, fe- I found surprising about the NHL, and I didn't know this because I've been a very recent fan, is the whole idea that there's a barometer le- that when you look at the standings on Thanksgiving, you can kind of get a sense of, like, which teams are going to make the playoffs and be fighting for and which teams are done. Sort of like a similar, like, baseball Memorial Day. Do you put stock in that idea and do you – Look, what's your big takeaway from the standings right now? You know, I understand where the idea comes from. I do. But with an 82-game season, only playing 20 of those games, so we have 62 games left, um, yeah, you can look at it and say, okay, Toronto Maple Leafs are doing really well. Um, you know, the New York Rangers are doing really well. Who knew that? The Islanders. Um, you know, you can look at the standings um, and say, yes, we're. You know, there's a lot of teams doing well, but there's 62 games. One big injury can change that goaltending can change that a trade that is probably not in the best interest of the team can change that so you know it's it's hard to tell again because with the NHL nothing can happen and uh, nothing anything can happen excuse me and especially when you get into playoffs you could see that as well I like to think that you can kind of say okay we know who's in the playoffs right now but like I said 62 games left a lot of hockey to be played Oh, for sure. One thing you brought up, the Rangers have been a big surprise so far. I mean, they looked like, when last time we talked, they were playing miserably. You got cheap tickets to the to the game because oh, yeah. they were playing so bad. But they've actually been playing very well. They have points, I think, like what, eight of their last nine games. Yeah. Like, what's the biggest surprise to you from watching this team play? The the biggest surprise, I personally think, is just, it, is just the team doing so well together. I think they're playing well together. Um, especially not having Bushnevich, Zuccarello. He's still day-to-day. I believe he's not in tonight against the Stars. So, you know, 
it, it's it's amazing to see how these young kids have been doing well. Brett Howden has been fantastic. We got him in the McDonough and Miller trade with uh, with Tampa Bay. So it, it's it's surprising me because I almost kind of want them to tank a little bit. This was the year that they're rebuilding, right? And we're in like we're we're teetering on second and third place in the Metropolitan Division, which is arguably the hardest division in the NHL as of late. Uh, that could change midseason. You could see the Atlantic being uh, competitive or, or or the Central, whatever. But it, it kind of like I'm kind of sitting there watching the games, going, you know, this is great that they're winning, but we're just taking points that we don't need right now. Like I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go anywhere if they do make the playoffs. Let's say out of a, out of a surprise, and we're just messing up that draft pick. So, you know, I I think that it's it's a beautiful thing to see the Rangers win as a Rangers fan. But to me, I don't understand why they're. I don't want to see them tank. Obviously, that that's that's. I want to see them try, but. It kind of just makes me wonder. Okay, what if we go to the playoffs this year? Now we're rebuilding. We don't have that draft pick that we probably should get. Oh, absolutely. That's something I definitely thought about. Like one thing I also noticed that you talk about a lot of the young players, like Brett Howden, Leas Anderson, Philip Hedl. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. So, okay. So like, how would you get these guys balance their playing time? I feel like David Quinn has a tough job trying to make sure he gets his veterans his minutes, but also developing these young guys. Yeah, he does, and I think I think the way that he's doing it is putting the young guys with the veterans. So obviously, Heedle's been on a on a tear. He's I think scored in the last three of his games. Um, he had a rough start. Leas Anderson has having a little bit of a rough start too. Vinny Letary, he has been kind of quiet. You don't really hear anything from him. Brett Howden has been by far the best quote unquote rookie for the New York Rangers right now. Um, you know the the veteran situation is this: you have Matt Zuccarello, you have Chris Kreider, um, you have Mika Zibanejad. After that, you have people that are relatively new: Kevin Hayes, Jimmy VC. Um, you know, Bushnevich. He's relatively new. He's not a seasoned veteran, you know, but he's he's kind of uh, he's got he's got a little playing time. So he has a lot of wiggle room. You have Cody McLeod, who's in there. Really, let's be honest, he's a great presence net from presence especially in the offensive zone but he's there to kind of agitate um he's not there to, to score goals so the 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 veteran presence I feel like is really on the back end on the blue line um even though Shea is relatively new you have Shea Stahl McQuaid when he comes back um Shattenkirk Shattenkirk Brendan Smith which I'm gonna be honest he's very very hit or miss he had a terrible season last season had a uh he wasn't even playing half the season but he had terrible start this year so I don't know what to feel about him um, and then you have like the young guys like Neil Pionk, which was like another like kind of blessing in disguise with Neil Pionk. You know, he, he had a couple games under his belt last season. So I think David Quinn, like you said, to get back to your original question, um, he's doing a great job balancing them. He's putting the young kids on the lines with the veterans to make sure that all four lines are rolling. I don't think he's doing what most NHL teams do. They'll run their best two lines the last, you know, five minutes of the game for whatever it is I think he's just giving everyone a chance and I think all four lines have their own identity and are producing in their very own special way so I don't think he has he has a tough job but I don't think it's too tough I think he's just playing them the way it should be and and you're going to get obviously the ones that get more minutes than others yeah I love watching Hedo play we we heard his clip at the beginning of the segment his goal on Saturday night credit to MSG mm-hmm. for that with Stan at uh we call it like what's his name Sam Rosen and Joe, McLe- Joe McLeady on the call there that were fun. They're fun to watch. What's not as fun to watch? The defense have had some issues this year. The pairings have been up and down. Like, how do you think they they're shaping up right now? I think they're doing a little bit better. Um, I personally don't think Stall. I think Stall needs change uh, change of scenery. I know with his contract, it's 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 either a buyout or or whatever. So I, you know, Brendan Smith. I, I'm not a fan. I think he did well with Detroit. He came to the Rangers, had a rough start, didn't play most of the season last season. Um, and now you have a rough start with him again. He scores a goal last game or the game before that, and he he looked a little bit better. Shattenkirk wasn't – he's not the St. Louis Blues Shattenkirk. You know, once he went to, to Washington on that kind of loan, um, I kind of saw that coming once he came to Washington. He was probably going to make a push to try to sign with the Rangers. You know, he was a free agent right after that. So it, it's hard. I think the veterans we have, if we're going to do a – Rebuild. I think we need to look at the blue line as well, not only at the front end. So we got rid of McDonough and Miller. Okay, I think we need to start looking at Stall, possibly getting rid of Brendan Smith. Um, Adam McQuay we just got for the Boston Bruins. I don't know. Yes, it's nice to have veteran presence, but I think Shea 
has been there long enough to be like, guys, this is this is what we're doing. I mean, granted, Lindy Ruff is still the defensive coach, but Coach Quinn wants to do different things. So everyone's under a new coaching style anyway. So you might as well try to get rid of a stall or maybe even, I dare to say, Shattenkirk because he's not really playing up to what he's playing. Put him on a contending team, see what happens, and we rebuild and do it correctly. Not keep an older blue line, but keep the front young, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, now let me ask you, I saw a trade proposal this weekend in the New York Post from veteran hockey writer Larry Brooks. So I know you think about this. As we all know, uh, William Nylander, Toronto, is still holding out. He's yep. not signed his contract. He only has a couple days left before he can't play for the rest of the season, yeah, I, believe, I believe. I think it's December 1st is the yep. deadline where he has to sign. It's like another like 14 Le'Veon days Bell. or yeah. something. It's a Le'Veon Bell type situation. Yep. So anyway, so he's there's talk that maybe they trade him instead of like mm-hmm. if they won't sign a deal. Brooks suggested that the Rangers trade Brady Shea and Chris Kreider to Toronto for Nylander. How would you feel about that? I don't like that. I, I, you know, I understand where he's coming from, but I don't, I don't like that. Shea is one of our best defensemen. He's young. He's still young. If he was like 35, I would understand. If he was good in 35, okay. How many more years do you have that defensive presence? But I, I, Shea, you have to keep. Try to get rid of Stall. Buy him out like they did Girardi. Try to even try to maybe flip Shattenkirk. Who knows? Shattenkirk came. He hasn't been terrible. He was out with an injury last year. He got his surgery. But is he really, like, a game changer? Neil Pionk and Shea have stood out more than Stahl, Shattenkirk. McQuaid's been out. But all those guys. Why don't you do a Shattenkirk and uh, and Stahl trade or a Shattenkirk trade with a buyout for an option for the Leafs to take it right then and there? They need help on the blue line. They don't need Chris Kreider. They got speed. They got Marner. Mar- what do you? Where are you going to put Kreider? Who are you sitting yeah, on Toronto? So, and I think if you get rid of Kreider, who's also another young talent on the Rangers, you're really just like you're not really giving yourself much of a chance. You need to have something. He's still young, so I don't like it. But I can understand where he's coming from because you want those two top players for a player like Nylander. Yeah, I think his argument is based on the whole fact that they haven't really had, haven't not had that big impact score since like Yarmir Yager in like the, the mid two thousands. So they figure right. because maybe Nylander is well, that kind I mean, of guy. Well, I mean, look at Zuccarello. I love Zuccarello, but he's someone that's on the chopping block, right? He's been someone that is has been talked about in trades. Why not Zuccarello and and Shattenkirk? I don't want them touching Shea. I think if they get rid of Shea, they're going to go so far backwards. It's going to be worse than a rebuild because they don't have anyone on defense. So I think if you want to package Shattenkirk and Zuccarello, or if you want to package Zuccarello and Hayes even, as much as I love both those players, but you, you can't get rid of Shea. All right, let's, let's move on to the Islanders. They've actually been a bigger surprise than the Rangers, in my opinion, because they're actually, I think, ahead of them in the standings without John Tavares, who's now up in Toronto with the Maple Leafs. Like, how have they been able to do this and thrive without Tavares on the roster? You, you know, I think the years of relying on Tavares really hindered them a little bit. And I think that under Jack Capuano... It, it was like, well, if Tavares is out there, we're okay. And I think the players also felt that too. And I'm not saying they weren't playing to their, their optimal performance or, or they weren't playing hard. But you have Barry Trotz come in, just won the Stanley Cup, has gotten their the team, the Capitals, to a bunch of playoffs, even though he couldn't make it past second round, whatever. They still were the top of the league almost every year. Um, they were playing ex- you know, exemplary. So, so Barry Trotz is a great coach. So you bring in Barry Trotz, you have a new GM in Lou Lamarillo. And you don't have the well, if Tav- you don't have the factor of t- it's all on Tavares, and I think Tavares also kind of thought it was all on him too. Um, Matt Barzal, not to the start everyone thought he was going to be at, um, just typical sophomore slump. He won the Calder, and once Tavares left, it was kind of like, uh oh, it's all on me, kind of a thing. But you have a lot of people stepping up. Um, Bavillier had his first hat trick the other night uh, of his career. He's looking pretty good. So I think the Islanders benefited from John Tavares leaving, not because they lost a great talent, but I think they said, okay, we don't have John Tavares anymore. We need to really step it up. And Barry Trotz probably in the locker room said that as well. Like, hey, look, we may not have the Tavares's, the Nylanders, the Matthews on our team, but we can still win with what we have. Yeah, and that's a credit for having a Stanley Cup winning coach in your locker room as opposed to Jack Capuano or Doug Wade or some of the random coaches they've had over the years. Absolutely. And there's no disrespect to Wade or Capuano. It's just you – have the experienced coach come in and go, look, yeah, he had Ovi and he had TJ Oshie and he had he had a bunch of like you know John Carlson, but the mentality is the co- the, the players see we're getting the Stanley Cup champion coach, literally fresh off it. We need to play hard. We need we need to meet that expectation, and they're playing well. 
62 games left in the season, give or take for them. So we'll see what happens the rest of the season, but good for them. They're showing, it, it, you know, it's almost like the Vegas Golden Knights. It's like we don't need John Tavares to win. Yeah. And they're and it's like almost like a chip on their shoulder because I think they're gonna they're getting a little haunted by that too. Like, oh, you don't have John Tavares, now you're really gonna be bad. So I think I think they're riding on a lot of um, pressures that John Tavares brought and left with him. Yeah, the, while the Rangers and Islanders have done well, the other team in the air, the Devils, have not. They've really had their issues. They may not live a skid of late. What's really gone wrong for them, and how can they turn it around? Well, I, I personally think goaltending is really a big problem. Kincaid has been pretty good. Schneider has been okay, considering he's coming back from an injury. He hasn't really played all of that much in the past, I don't know, year because of his, I think it was a hip surgery. I still think that the Devils rode Taylor Hall to the to the playoffs. And it's not to say that Paul Mary and the rest of the crew on that team is a bad team. Um, but when you have your league MVP, Taylor Hall, I think he scored like 35, 40 points more than the second highest goals, uh, point scorer on the Devils. When you have that big of a gap, the weight is on Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall's performing, but the goaltending isn't. So now, so now it, it, it kind of it, there's a lot of factors too. So I personally think goaltending has been an issue, and they're going to be switching between Schneider and Kincaid because Schneider was a fantastic goalie before his surgery. Kincaid's been playing all right. It's going to turn into what happened in St. Louis with Allen and Elliott. So we'll we'll see. Um, hopefully they get it back. They are a Stanley Cup playoff team, but if more people don't step up and do the work like Taylor Hall did I don't think they're going to get very far in the in the regular season yeah we've watched about a quarter of the regular season right now if you had to give me a pick who do you think is the best team in the league right now best team in the league there's a lot of good teams you look at the Predators you're like oh it's the Predators they're doing well they've been doing well for the past what four years you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs Toronto Maple Leafs have been doing really really well despite their blue line Freddie Anderson probably in Vesna talks later in this season if he keeps it up. Um, you know, obviously last year we had the Vegas Golden Knights. This year we're thinking about the Sharks out in the West, even though Carlson only scored his first goal the other night. I'm going to say, in my opinion, not going by standings, the Toronto Maple Leafs are probably the premier team that I'm thinking of because they've been doing so well. 13 games without Matthews. When he comes back to the lineup, Things may change for the worse. We've seen that happen before. But when he comes back to the lineup and everything is just back to normal, you see them winning a lot more games that they lost these past 13, 14 games, which which they really haven't lost a bunch. Um, on paper, too, if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's ridiculous what they have. I mean, for starters, the top three centers are Matthews, Tavares, Kadri. And then you have, uh, I think it's Lindholm. He's another one that just – an amazing lineup, an amazing coach in Babcock. So I think Toronto Maple Leafs, they're probably going to make it to the to the cup. I'm going to call that because I have – it's just – it's unless there's a major injury, it's just too consistent. Yeah, I like that call. I think that the Maple Leafs are definitely a team to watch right now. Pete, thanks for stopping by, talking some hockey. Yeah, no, thank you. It was, it was great, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can come back and do this again. Yeah, hopefully next time Merrick can join us again. That would yes. be great. Maybe a surprise guest. We don't know, but – before you get before you go, you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media again? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PJConsidori29. I know it's a long, hard name, so C-O-N-S-A-D-O-R-I. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, having me on. It's always great talking hockey. Always great talking hockey to you, Pete. Up next, show me the money, NFL picks, week number 12, coming up right after this. Show me the money. All right, and we're back. Show me the money. NFL picks week number 12 coming up. Joining me today to make the picks. Guy who's been on the podcast twice before. I most recently spoke to him a couple weeks back to preview the NBA season. Is my good friend Martino Puccio. Martino, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. NBA season's been great. Now I'm ready to make some picks for the NFL, baby. Yes, it sounds very good. Before we get started, what kind of fan are you? Um, I am a Duke fan, just like yourself, so I definitely relate to the title of your podcast. Um, 
So, obviously, it's been more of the same this season. You would have thought hopes would have been different with Darnold, but after seeing everything that's unfold these past couple weeks, it's still demoralizing, more or less. Yeah, how did you become a Jet fan? Well, the thing is, unlike most American families, um, my family is very Italian, so they don't they came here on more so first generation, so football is not a very big uh, thing in my family. Um, if it is, it's more so around with me and my cousin. So it wasn't really a team to follow. Like I think my dad liked the Steelers growing up in the 70s and 80s, but it was never something that he held on to, kind of like the Yankees. So I kind of had free reigns to pick whatever team I wanted, and. At the time when I was growing up, the Jets had Curtis Martin. And Curtis Martin is close to my name, which is Martino, which is just Italian for Martin. And he was a great running back. So I was like, oh, screw it. Why not? I'll be I'll be a Jets fan. And then um, I was watching the playoffs one year, the, the year they lost to the Steelers. I'm sure you'll remember. Um, oh, yeah. in, the, in the playoffs. Not, not from not – the, not the one in the AFC Championship game. It was another one. The Doug um, Bryan game. Yeah, yeah, and all, all those missed field goals, and my dad was watching the game with me, and uh, he still had a little bit of interest in the Steelers, and he's like, are you sure you want this? Because this is what being a Jets fan is like. He warned me about that with the Mets. I didn't listen to him, and obviously I didn't listen to him again with the Jets, and then here we are today in 2018 as a Jets fan. Yep, not much has changed over the years of the Jets. They're after another bad start this year, 3-7. and seven. Everyone knows that Todd Bowles is going to be on his way out the door when the season's over. But one thing I'm curious about, like, why do you think Mike McCack is getting a free, a, pretty much a free pass for his role in building this team? Because he's had a lot of mistakes in free agency. I, I would agree with that, but here's a couple of things why. I've, I've thought about it over the past few years. He'll get a pass for one of the main reasons is that he didn't hire Todd Bowles. I understand the general manager's job is, is to put talent and scouting and all that. He had a scouting background with the Texans, but he didn't pick Todd Bowles. And a lot to do with talent in the NFL, as we've seen with the Rams, for example, and even the Eagles, is that coaching matters. And coaching and developing the talent that you draft, uh, whether or not it be free agency or not, but he can only pick the players. Todd Bowles has to do his part in, in coaching them and 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 there's been a lot of problems with the mid to late round picks. Obviously, you highlighted free agency, free agency. Uh, first time around, I think he kind of got a pass because he actually spent money as opposed to the John Isaac um, approach to things where he didn't spend any. Uh, but then you look again this year with Jermaine Johnson. I mean, he's a big money guy, and he's either been kind of underperforming when he's on the field. So I think that's kind of why he's getting a pass there. Um He's also getting a pass because I think he's gotten. I think he got lucky with that draft where he took Jamal Adams and Marcus May. I think Leonard Williams has been extremely overrated for the type of player that he was um, hyped up to be, especially with the number six pick. Um, he's been pretty much a letdown. I know if he pays him big money this offseason, I think I would be very worried. Um, and then, I mean, I thought he, I thought he's done a nice job with some of the trades that he's made. Um, getting that second round pick for Sheldon Richardson, who turned out to be nothing, um, in, in turn for the Seahawks, and then he used that to flip up and trade for Darnold. And then I think the trade for Teddy Bridgewater at the time it makes sense because look, Teddy it wasn't the future. Um, there was no point in holding on to him, in my opinion, for the rest of this season. So they got that mid round pick from the Saints, and again. I mean, look, it's, it's not going to they want to right now, but I think McCagnan's just going to get at least another year to try and fix this, maybe hire his own head coach. But at the same time, I know you and I have talked about it, he's owned, like Bowles and Max McCagnan are viewed as equals by ownership. And I think that's troubling. I think that's worrying. So we'll see if McCagnan actually has a say in who will be the new head coach because you just see it, the writing's on the wall with that. Yeah, that, that's a discussion for another day. I think you're hitting on the head. I think some of his trades have been good, especially the Darnold trade is probably the reason why he's getting another year. But, like, next year, like, I mean, next week, they play the Patriots. Sam Darnold should be back from the injury. What are you looking for in his first matchup against a Bill Belichick coach team? Well, I'd just like to say, I don't know if you saw, but today he wasn't practicing. He just did a light jog. He was talking to the media. So he was in street clothes. 
um, sweatpants still, um, and this is on Monday. So we're going to be putting the pass this weekend. Um, to me, I uh, working at the Fantasy Sports Network is, is where I'm at right now, and they have this guy uh, on, uh, from this site called Inside Injuries, and they have all this access to these injuries, and they can tell you what kind of level grade these injuries are and how long a player should be out and how, how much of an injury risk they're at. And they discussed Darnold just before the bite. They said that Darnold really had more than enough time to heal at this point. And the fact that he had more than enough time to heal and they're coming off a bye week and a game that he did not play, but he's still in street clothes, not doing anything, tells me something more the fact that Donald probably won't play because I think Todd Bowles is trying to save his job here. Now, say Donald does play, I don't think it's a, it, it's a terrible game for him to come back into. I'm not expecting much. I don't think these weapons are good at all outside of the moon one. I think Elijah Maguire has shown flashes, but he's not going to be the main guy going into next year. At this point, I see both arguments uh, when you play devil's advocate of having Donald on the sideline, trying to learn something from account and watching the game from there or playing him, let him play through his mistakes, and try to let him grow, especially a team like the Patriots, who's obviously it's going to be very difficult to go against um, twice a year, every single year in that division. So I, for me, I, I, it just needs to be, if he plays, just limit his mistakes, see if he's learned it all. And Jeremy Bates has got to do a better job because he also is, looks like he's on the outs at this point, too. Um, it's just this whole season, if you're a Jets fan or even if you're a fan of football, it's, it's all about the development of the quarterback, development of Sam Donald, and the fact that they went with him with the starting job, to me, says you have to keep him in there for as long as, long as he's healthy. Oh, for sure. Before let's move on to the picks. Phil Freyato was here last week making the picks for Team Challengers, and his week was not very good. <laughs> I like that. Nice music. <laughs> 0-3 on the week for, for Phil. You had the Panthers minus four. They lost that game going for the two and did not get it. The Falcons laying three and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. I warned him against that pick and turned out I was correct that the Falcons went on to lose that game to the Dallas Cowboys. And you get the Arizona Cardinals laying five and a half at home against the Raiders and the Raiders found a way to win that football game. So 0-3 for, for Frietta and the Challengers on the year are 16-15-2. My picks. Also 0-3. Lost on the Titans, plus two and a half in Indianapolis. They got destroyed in that game. Vikings laying two, getting two and a half in Chicago. Did not turn out well either. Rams minus three and a half. Same story. On the year, 17 and 16 for me. Martino, since you are the guest, you may go first. What is your first pick? First pick, I mean, we don't sound logical because we have Thanksgiving football games this week. I took the Falcons. Uh, against the Saints. Um, division rivalry, I understand how well the Saints have been playing this whole season. I think the Falcons, yeah, there are a lot of injuries on the defensive side, especially in the secondary. And you would just think Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, they're just going to pour it on them. I do think they're going to put up a lot of points, but I feel like 13 is a very large number. Um, the Falcons themselves have a, have a ton of weapons. Um, I'm not really going to go off with too much of what I saw uh, against the Eagles um, yesterday. But I just think on a shortened week, national television, primetime game, division rivalry, I think the Falcons are going to come out to play. I think they're going to lose, but 13 is too big of a number for me, so I have the Falcons coming there. Yeah, I love that, I love that pick because the number is enormous, and like they are begging you to bet the Falcons in this game because – like. I know the Saints are good. I know the Saints have been putting up points like gangbusters the last three weeks, but like they're asking them to win by two touchdowns because division rival can score points on their own. That's a huge number away. Yeah, it is. It is, and I mean they went up against a good Cowboys defense this past Sunday in Atlanta. I know they lost the game at home, but at the same time, there's just so many weapons on that team, and, and, and you know what? They're playing inside of the dome as well. Um, I mean, it really favors both quarterbacks. So I just. Personally, I don't see that happening. And then the Saints are kind of due for a loss at this point, right? Yeah. They haven't lost since the opener against Tampa Bay. So I see this one definitely being close. Um, and I would kind of be shocked if this Saints won by two touchdowns. All right, pick number two. Where are you going? I am going with this one might seem to be a surprise. 
But I've kind of been on them for a little while now. I kind of like the way they've been playing in recent weeks. The Cleveland Browns, um, Bengals are fair, minus three at home. Um, I just think this is just another one of those divisional games. Later on into the year, Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals, Marvin Lewis included, they don't play their best brand of football. This is the best Cleveland defense I think we've seen in a long time. And when you have that ability to get after the quarterback and get after a guy like Andy Dalton, doesn't matter if it's home or away, you get that guy frustrated, it's going to be difficult. I know Adrian Green is probably coming back for this game uh, for some of the reports I've seen. But I really like Baker Mayfield as well. Um, they're coming off a of bye, so they're getting rested. Um, Greg Williams having a defensive game plan after this long. I really like the Browns keeping this one close. Would be again, would be shocked if the Bengals won this one as well with, uh, with the home team there. But I like the Browns to cover in this one, and I think it's definitely going to be one of the more exciting games, believe it or not. Yeah, I can understand the logic of the pick. You're the second person to take the Browns in three weeks after Sam DeRosa was right with them two weeks ago. I, I think your number is tougher because it's three, which means you're asking for them yeah. to basically win outright, which is why I stay away from the game. All right, go your last pick. Where are you going? All right, my last pick of the week. We're keeping it local with the Giants. Another division rivalry game. As the Giants, the Eagles, the line for that is uh, minus six for the Eagles' favorite. Um... Look, I understand where people are coming from. They might get worried with the Eagles. They really have not looked like a team that just won the Super Bowl a few months ago. Um, obviously, we know how football goes sometimes. But we know all the injuries that they have in that secondary. Um, and, and that favors the Giants here. The Giants have played a little bit better in recent weeks. I've known the past two games that the uh, teams they played against are god-awful. Um, played against like, three different quarterbacks, Nicky Mullins. Fitzpatrick and then Winston. Um, I know Carson Wentz is a different monster. But this is, again, another divisional game. Um, as you could tell, this is a trend with all three of my picks here. Divisional game with the team on the road. I think six is a little bit of a big number considering how the Eagles are playing, how Carson Wentz has been playing. Um, I think Odell Beckham's going to have a big game. I think you should look out for Evan Ingram as well. And then Saquon Barkley is just a superstar at this point. He's one of the best rookie running backs in the league. He's one of the best running backs in the league. So I think the Giants will cover this one as well. Um, it's definitely going to be another great game and another great division uh, matchup. Yeah, that's what I like as well. I like the Giants to play well the last two weeks. The line's been a lot better. I think that they can give the Eagles a game. The Eagles have been not the same this year. All right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could say Super Bowl hangover, whatever, whatever it is. It's a very star fan base. But you've also got to look at it as they have a lot of injuries in the secondary. Carson Wentz is coming off a torn ACL. He didn't have a full 12 months to recover, as we know. Um, and even beforehand, when Foles was in there, they were struggling a little bit. But that division is terrible, and they still have a chance. But uh, this week, I'm not so sure they want to face the Giants at this point. Okay, let's go on to my picks. Pick number one, I'm going with another Thanksgiving game. I'm sticking in the NFC East. I'm taking the Washington Redskins, getting 7.5 points against the Dallas Cowboys. I think this line is a big overreaction to the Alex Smith injury. I just think the fact is that the Redskins are still a good football team. They can run the ball. They can play defense. Colt McCoy's been in that system for four years, so he'll be competent. And, like, the Cowboys just don't blow people out. They really don't. They won by three over Atlanta yesterday. They won, I think, by, like, seven over the Eagles. They're asking them to put up, basically win by ten points in this game. I don't think they will. I'm going to take the Redskins to cover. I think they actually have a chance to win the game outright. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind that. By the way, they signed our board today, Mike Sanchez. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, Colt McCoy, he, you know, he's a sort of, he's one of the more serviceable backups in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, we know his history with the state of Texas. Um, I think he's going to come out to play, man. I think I think it's a real big game for him. And you know who also I find underrated? Jay Gruden. I think Jay Gruden is doing a pretty decent job with what he's got there, all those injuries um, I, I do I do agree with you. I could definitely see uh, Washington coming in that number. All right, let's pick number one. Pick number two. I am going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, laying three and a half on the road in Denver. Pittsburgh yesterday came from behind, stunned the Jaguars late, got a big win, go to 7-2-1. and one. They go on the road, take on a Denver team that is coming high off the win in, in L.A. against the Chargers, but I don't think they're that good. Pittsburgh is a very good football team. I thought they're going to go on the road. They're going to take care of business. They had their scare last week. They're going to go out and win by a touchdown in Denver. Yeah, I think that one was definitely kind of a wake-up game going into Jacksonville. We know how close that played out where they were basically 
dormant for the th- first three quarters of that. Um, Broncos, that was a nice win for Keenum and them on that final drive to go get that field goal to beat the Chargers. But I, I, I just don't see that happening. There's too much firepower. I don't expect James Conner to struggle like that two weeks in a row. And the Broncos just aren't the same kind of defense. This, I mean, this is a real – and they're starting to get depleted on the offensive line as well. I definitely see the Steelers putting up 30-plus points on them. All right, that's pick number two. Pick number three is one I don't know why I'm going here, but I have a gut on this one. I am going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying three at home against San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are 0-11 in the Eastern time zone since 2015. They're coming flying east for a 1 o'clock game. Tampa's got Jameis Winston back in the saddle. He had four, led the Bucks on four touchdown drives yesterday. Plus, they've been knocking on the door of a win for a couple weeks now. They could have easily come back in Cincinnati. They could have beaten the Giants yesterday. I think they get it done. They beat the 49ers. I'm going to lay the three points and take my chances there. You know what? I actually like that one, too. That's a pretty good one. Um, again, I, I just see, I, unless there's a halftime switch at quarterback for the Buccaneers, I don't really see the Niners keeping this one close. I, I don't really see what they have to play for. Morale isn't all that high. I think Nick Mullins has done a pretty decent job. Film, all things considered, Kyle Shanahan's genius, in my opinion. Uh, I love the type of coach he is, but this roster, 1 through 53, is just, I don't think they can hang with some of the weapons that the Bucks have. So I, I definitely see that one happening as well. All right, so reset the picks. Martino is going with three underdogs Giants plus six in Philadelphia against the Eagles. The Falcons, plus 13 on Thanksgiving night in New Orleans. And the Browns, plus three in Cincinnati against the Bengals. I am going with three, uh, two favorites. The Steelers laying three and a half in Denver on Sunday. The Bucks laying three against the San Francisco 49ers at home. And the one underdog on Thanksgiving, the Washington Redskins, getting seven and a half points in Dallas. Those are your picks for week number 12 of Show Me the Money. Martino, before I let you go, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Favorite Thanksgiving food? Um, depends where I'm at, but does stuffing count? Because I usually go with stuffing if it's um, my favorite, if I'm on my mom's side of the family. The stuffing is the, probably the best part of uh, Thanksgiving for me. Yeah, I'm a big stuffing guy. I like. I also like the turkey. is always the classic. And for me, like the, like the candy sweet potatoes for me are always the winning side dish. Oh, I hate those. I hate sweet potatoes. <laughs> I can't. I can never deal with them. No, nah, not for me. Uh, I guess we agree or disagree on that. Before you go, you all everybody know how to follow you on social media. Yeah, you can follow me at on Twitter. Obviously, this is a new Twitter um, that I made. I think I mentioned it last time I was on here, but at Martino Puccio. Follow me there. You could also watch some of the soccer showdown stuff I upload on the Fantasy Network uh, YouTube channel. Um, those come out weekly on Thursdays we record and then I send them out for all the top games on the weekend if you're interested in that kind of stuff the different kind of football but it's just as fun trust me if you can get into it Uh, but yeah that's where you can find me on everything all right thanks for the time Martino all right thanks for having me Mike no problem that was Martino Puccio with your week number 12 NFL picks on show me the money up next this week's two-minute drill where I can tell you why I'm very thankful I did not root for the Cleveland Browns. That coming up right after this. All right, and we're back with this week's two-minute drill. As everybody knows, Thanksgiving is this week. And I have a lot to be thankful for. Thankful for my family. Thankful for having a good job. Thankful for the fact that you guys take the time to listen to this podcast. Listen to me rail about sports for an hour every week. Thankful for all that. One of the biggest things I'm thankful for is that I do not root for the Cleveland Browns. I swear, this franchise, I thought I had it bad being a Jet fan. This franchise is one of the biggest laughing stocks in sports. Rooting for them is brutal. And Sunday, I saw something on Twitter in the morning that just had me shell-shocked. So I'm going through Twitter Sunday morning, looking for my fantasy updates. I see this report from ESPN's Adam Schefter. It says that the Browns want to interview Condoleezza Rice 
to be their next head coach. That's right. The former Secretary of State for the George Bush administration, Condoleezza Rice, the Browns wanted to interview her to be their head football coach. I saw this. I'm like, what? This can't be right. Then I look at the story. And Brown's officials apparently are obsessed with the idea of getting new and creative people into their organization. And one source told Schefter that Condoleezza Rice was, quote, an amazing person. So being an amazing person is all it takes to be an NFL coach in Cleveland? Really? You know things got bad because later in the day, the Browns issued a statement saying that they were not considering Condoleezza Rice a head coaching job. And Condoleezza Rice issued a statement where she said that she was not interested in the coaching job for the Browns. The fact that we are even having this discussion shows you that the Browns have no idea what they're doing. And it's an embarrassment to the National Football League. I mean, think about this for a second. They wanted to hire... Not, not, okay, I'm not going to say hire. They decided that one of the people they had to interview to replace Hugh Jackson was a former politician who has never coached football a day in her life. That's just crazy. I mean, the Browns do off-the-book things. They hired a guy from the Met organization, Paul D. Podesta, a few years back to work in their front office. And stuff like that is cool. I like those kind of things. Thinking outside the box, trying to take a different approach to try and win. If you want to bring Condoleezza Rice into the organization as a consultant, may have her work in the front office in some capacity and bring a new brand of thought to it, be my guest. Having bright people in your organization is never a bad idea. And she is obviously a very capable person. But you have to know that if you are thinking about hiring a former politician to run your football team every day, you're going to get laughed at. Give me the biggest joke of the league. Think about that. If Condoleezza Rice is qualified and the Browns minds be the head coach, I'm sending my resume to Cleveland tomorrow. I can put my staff together right now. I'll bring Joe D'Alessio along with me. He'll be my defensive coordinator. I can bring in some other guys to run the plays. We have connections. I have guys who are good at Madden. We can figure this out. I mean, come on. Cleveland, I get they like the attention. They probably thought that, you know what, we'll be progressive. We'll interview some a female candidate for head coach, which has never been done before. If you want to do that, there are three female coaches in the league right now. Bring one of them in. Talk to them. Maybe you'll get some inspiration going forward. This whole thing with Condoleezza Rice was just a poorly executed attempt at publicity stunt. And as long as the Browns are doing things like that, they will never be a threat to win in this league. Ever. And that is why I'm thankful I do not root for that football team. At least the Jets seem to have a clue of what they're trying to do. The Browns, nothing ever changes. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guests, Pete Considori and Martino Puccio, for stopping by to talk hockey and make NFL picks, respectively. If you want more good stuff like this podcast including a look at what the Jets could do with their $106 million in cap space this year, be sure to check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play simply by searching for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store or Google Play music section. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings or help make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331, that's M-P-H-I, L-L-I-P-S, 331, and instead of giving you a hashtag this week, tweet me with a hashtag of something you're thankful for in the sports world. I got a good show planned for you next week. I have potentially a very interesting guest on the line. I don't want to say more about that yet. I want to get that locked in first. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Carolina Panthers fans. (laughs) 